I'm Dr. Felicia Mebin, the Executive Director of the Center for Public Health Initiatives at Norfolk State University and the host of Health Healing in Hampton Roads. And today I am here with Dr. Cynthia Burwell. Hi, Dr. Burwell. Hi, Dr. Mebin. How are you today? I am doing just great. Thank you. Great, great. So let's start with learning a little bit more about who you are. So how are you connected to Hampton Roads? Well, I grew up in Hampton and I uh, went to undergrad at Hampton uh, Institute at that time, Hampton University, and uh, I've actually lived here just about all my life other than going to graduate school at Penn State uh, back in the 70s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my connection has, ha I've always lived uh, in the Hampton Roads area. So yes. what is it about Hampton Roads then that keeps you here or brought you back? Well, I think it's the connection to family. Uh, just about all of my family are here. And my husband grew up in Hampton. And uh, his family, just about, is you know, all of them are here. And uh, we just love the area, love where we grew up. I live uh, in a part of Hampton that's considered rural, but not rural anymore. Oh, OK. <laughs> OK. So I, you know, I, had, I still have tr some trees. Uh, but there's a lot of growth around me, but um, I still, you know, have my um, family's property and mm. things like that. And then the water and, uh, you know, just being here and con being connected to family, I think, is the, the main thing that's kept me here. Yeah, that's amazing. I do, I do like that part of this region as well. I'm not born and bred here, but mm -hmm. that is something that I appreciate. Yeah. And it actually explains a lot, actually, and I think as we talk more about your background, people will understand, mm -hmm. but you're very, I can see how community is such a priority for you. Oh, yes, it is, because I, you know, like I said, by growing up here, you've seen uh, the people, uh, what they've had to go through mm -hmm. as far as health is concerned. Uh, I've been involved with health for over 30 years now. Uh, starting working with the health department, uh, working in college health, and majority of my time has been in college health, and then working, of course, with the community uh, in both realms. And uh, I, you know, I just, you know, just love working with people and trying to give them the resources that they need, give them the information they need to help improve their health. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So this is where I th this is where I think I remind you behold the green and go. So what is your current position? <laughs> My current position, I am professor in the Department of Health, Phys Physical Education, and Exercise Science, and I also am the director of the NSU Center of Excellence in Minority Health Disparities. And the latter position I've been in since 2015, and have has have enjoyed every bit of it mm -hmm. because of that community connect connection. Mm -hmm. But what's a professor? I mean, there's some folks who don't know what that means. I mean, you know, through no fault of their yeah. own. But what is it? What do you do? What does that okay. mean? So that means I teach, I um, advise students, I, you know, talk to students about their academic program. Um, I also do community outreach. Um, I do research. Um, I, you know, do uh, writing. Um, there are, there's a whole realm of things that, as a professor, that I'm involved in. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, like I'm just in my office 
but I am engaged with the students, I'm engaged with the community, and uh, all of that's a part of being a professor. Also, you know, with my personal community, uh, I have had the opportunity of, with my church serving uh, on our health ministry, uh, working with other nurses in our church, and uh, so I've been able to uh, reach into uh, my personal uh, area mm -hmm. uh, with what I do, and I've really enjoyed doing that as well. So I think one of the things that's important for communities to know about, especially diverse communities, mm -hmm. is there are so many opportunities out there for kids to do a variety of things. Oh yes. So for a, a uh, sorry, for a high school student mm -hmm. or a junior high school student who might be interested in being a professor, mm -hmm. what does it take? Do you have to be super, super, super smart, or what does it take to be a professor? Well, it, it doesn't. I mean, you don't have to be super, super smart, <laughs> but you you have to uh, want to get the knowledge about the topic area or subject area that you're interested in. And so that means that you have to progress most instances to the doctoral level. And uh, you know, encourage, I encourage students, if you're uh, looking to be on that track, uh, you know, first of all, find out what the topic is that you're interested in, and then find programs at whatever university you're interested in to make sure that that program is compatible uh, with you, your lifestyle. Uh, it does. Do they offer what you're looking for? Do they have uh, faculty that are going to mentor you and uh, you know help you get to the point that you want to get to? Then once you get that master's in that subject area, the best thing to do also is to get a doctorate in that in that subject area. Then that's going to make you an expert. Your expertise will be in that area and then that will uh, allow you to be able to transition into a, a position uh, for faculty and then you know, uh, get to that professor level. Now you don't start out as a professor, you start out as a sometimes instructor, mm -hmm. then you go to assistant, you know, assistant professor, and then you get to the professor level. Yeah, because I, I mean, I mentioned that because I think people sometimes stop themselves before they give themselves an opportunity to explore different mm -hmm. things. Right. So if you're interested in teaching, if you're interested in helping people, if you're interested in answering questions mm -hmm. and doing research, right. if you're interested in, in evaluating programs or designing programs mm -hmm. or policy analysis, right. then you should explore that as an opportunity. You should explore that. Yes. Yes, indeed. So let's segue a little bit more um, to a focus on your work. Okay. So talk a little bit about one of the projects that you work on as a professor. Okay, one of the projects that I've been working on is that of trying to uh, move our campus to tobacco-free. And so what I've been working with is a task force. We've been kind of in limbo since we had COVID-19. Hasn't but, everybody, right? Uh, yes, right? that's right. <laughs> but I've been uh, continuing that work with uh, the Eliminate Tobacco in college and Colleges and Universities Task Force for the state. And so I've been you know, meeting with them and we've been talking to each other because each of us uh, you know, on that committee from all the colleges and universities are trying to strive to get to the same point. And so uh, we've been, you know, working towards that. Uh, we have a small campaign that we're going to begin to launch 
probably in the fall. And uh, it's, you know, we, we're, we're going to be uh, saying Spartans clear the air. Okay. And so we have a cloud, and it's like the cloud of smoke that's going up into the air. Okay. And so we're, we're going to be uh, doing that and uh, just, you know, teaching uh, the campus community about tobacco, uh, offering them uh, smoke-free uh, information where they can go to get tobacco, you know, to uh, get smoking cessation, mm -hmm. uh, all of those kinds of things. So, you know, this is, is a public health issue uh, because we saw with COVID that uh, tobacco smoking was one of the risk factors. And we saw that. Oh, wait a minute, what does that mean? What that means is that if you smoke tobacco and uh, you had, you know, say another comorbidity like hypertension or diabetes or something like that, another chronic disease on top of tobacco, that means that puts you at more risk for contracting COVID, oh, okay. especially if you were not uh, vaccinated uh, with your two, you know, your two initial shots and then your booster, then that put you at higher risk of developing COVID. And we know that COVID affected the lungs. Mm -hmm. And so tobacco, what does it do? It goes into the lungs and affects the lungs. And it's responsible for uh, lots of cancers, uh, respiratory illnesses. And so if we can make that stride and uh, allow our campus to go tobacco free, I think we will be stepping in the right direction yeah. uh, to see some change in our population. That's great. And, yeah. and that's straight up public health, right? Oh, health yes. promotion, health, yes. health yes. communications, which yes. is really great. But, but why do you think it's still a challenge? I mean, we've, the public health been, has been doing mm -hmm. campaigns, you know, to stop smoking for a long mm -hmm. time. I so think, what's the challenge here that yeah. we're still having to focus on that, do you think? Well, I think the challenge is we've really not had, uh, you know, a person to really uh, focus in on that as a topic. Mm -hmm. uh, and so with... Uh, you the, mean here on campus? Here on campus. Okay. And so with the Center of Health Disparities, we felt like that would be one of the topic areas we would want to get, uh, you know, get going on our campus. It's been an issue in the community as well. We have seen uh, the uh, smoking rates come down for our young people, but we still see them taking on vaping and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So it's even though, you know, they may move away from tobacco, then they move to something else. And we know that those products, the vaping and uh, those other products, have not been sanctioned by the FDA as a way of quitting tobacco. And so, so many people are, you know, taking that on, thinking, oh, well, I'll do the vape thing. I'm not smoking tobacco. But there are chemicals in that vape uh, that, you know, are going to be just as bad in the long run for folks. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about that, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess 
the imagery of smoke-free kind of covers that as well, right? Oh, yes. I mean, yes, so it's it vaping, does. however, whatever's generating yes, the smoke, whatever's right? whatever's generating the smoke. That's correct. Right. Yes. And let's specifically talk about marijuana, for example, because okay. that's mm -hmm. smoking, yes, right? Yes, that's smoking. And that's included as well. Yes, right? that's included as well. And, uh, you know, on a state campus, you're not supposed to have that here anyway. So, yes, it does cover that. Um, and so, you know, the policy, when the policy gets changed, we will have all of that enveloped in that policy. That's yes. great. And then how does it, it affect the community? We're so closely, Norfolk State mm -hmm. is so closely tied to the community. So I know you were saying sort of that's, this is a college campus mm -hmm. initiative, mm -hmm. but how will it also help the community? Well, hopefully it will help the community because we will do some town and gown uh, you know, invite the community to some meetings to let them know what we're doing on our campus. Uh, may even meet, uh, you know, at a local church or a meeting place in the community to let them know what, what's going on here on campus so that they can be aware. And then we don't want to push our folks from the campus into the community to do their smoking. So we want, you know, both uh, our our campus to be informed and the community to be informed so that they will be aware of what is going on. That's great. So tell us a little bit more. Is there another project you want to share? Yes. Okay, um, great. <laughs> we have another project. It's called Healthy Churches Coalition of Hampton Roads. And we have had that project in place since about 2018. And we have uh, been working with the health ministry leaders of local churches. We have about 25 churches that we've been consistently over time working with. And we have had uh, programs uh, where we bring them to campus during pre-COVID, bring them to campus, and we do training in uh, different chronic illnesses. We have speakers come in and talk to them about specific programs that they can do on in their churches with their parishioners. Uh, to help improve uh, the health uh, and welfare of those uh, church members. So take for instance, we've had uh, the, um, uh, someone from the American Heart Association mm -hmm. actually come to campus and talk about uh, a program that they have for uh, tobacco-free congregations, uh, those kinds of things, uh, eating right, uh, the Heart Association has a program to help churches uh, with uh, their kitchens, you know, and, and their food ministry uh, to get those foods that they serve, uh, have them uh, prepared in a way that's going to be heart healthy. So we've had a member of the Heart Association to come and talk to them. We've also had uh, someone from the Alzheimer's uh, association come and talk to them about uh, the uh, uh, Alzheimer's Sunday that we have uh, where it's called Memory Sunday and uh, talk to them about resources that they can get from uh, the Alzheimer's Association that they can provide to their parishioners, uh, different things that they can do uh, for caregivers uh, because a lot of times uh, the caregivers are the ones who need the respite, and uh, they have given them information about that as well. Mm -hmm. So we've had different uh, health agencies come on campus, 
Uh, we have provided them with information about nutrition. Um, and so there are a variety of things that we have worked with them on uh, so that they then can take that information back to uh, their church members. To their community. To their community. Right. And yes. so on and so on, right? And it's so not just on, the people in the church right. and they take it back to their families. Take it back to their families. Right. And, and then you have that domino effect. Right. So yes. backing up just a little bit, why churches? Why churches? Because the church has been looked at as a pillar in the community. Uh, the minister has been looked upon as a leader in the community. And we feel that uh, having uh, the churches take part in this whole uh, public health mm -hmm. uh, initiative uh, is a good thing because uh, when it comes from the, we, we help the ministers in getting the information they need to give to their parishioners in their sermons sometimes, mm -hmm. and then the health ministry leaders can help him or her at the same time uh, get the information out as a resource. So. Uh, focusing and and the church has looked at and like I said as a pillar in the community and so coming from the church uh, is is a good way to get that information out to the community mm -hmm. and, and tying it back to being a professor we know there's research out there right that shows that um, community leaders mm -hmm. including church leaders are trusted mm -hmm. oh yes and so one way to have an impactful health campaign is to work with people who people trust give them the information and then they share it with folks so their people are more likely to receive it in a positive way and then to act yes. on it in a positive way. Yes, that is so correct. So that's the tie. That's, that's why it's tie. important to have the connection between the campus. Like you said town gown, I think. Yes. I think that's why uh -huh. it's important to have the connection between the people who do research <laughs> right. and who know right. literature and all of that, uh -huh. working in partnership yes. with community leaders. That is right. correct. That is correct. And, what, and that's one of the main things we're trying to do too, is to build that trust. And what other trusted place in the community other than the church? Mm -hmm. So that's why we have, uh, in you know, initially focused in on those health ministry leaders and the churches mm -hmm. to, to get that information out. And that's great because we know the pandemic has exposed. Oh yes, we haven't been doing a good job of that, right? right. Communications. People had a lot of distrust, mm -hmm. and so there's really a lot of opportunity to do even more. Yes, in that way. That's correct. Uh, you know, the churches also led uh, the way in providing the vaccines to you know the community, not mm -hmm. only their parishioners but the community. Uh, they set up. You know, vaccine clinics within the church. That's another way to build trust uh, and to, you know, alleviate that hesitancy that so many people had, particularly in the beginning, but we still have some people who still have that hesitancy. So uh, that was, you know, one of the ways that uh, the churches did help during the time of COVID mm -hmm. as well. And we I mean, there's so much to discuss oh, around yes. that. We might have to have another couple episodes <laughs> yes. on that. Um, because one thing I want to say is I think hesitancy is legitimate. I think that's not said enough. Oh, no. That, it's, that's, it's valid to it's have valid. hesitancy. It's valid. I think it's on the professionals to right. figure out, well, what do we do right. to help people to improve their condition, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever that happens to be. Right. And so you get to make the choice, but I'm going to give you good information. That's right. And then we're going to, you know, help move the needle to healthier outcomes. That's correct. That's so, correct. In general. Yes. So on the healing in Hampton Roads mm -hmm. part, um, 
Is there anything that, that you would share with the community about how to get engaged in some of these things? Or are there good resources for information about some of the things you've been talking about, tobacco control, maybe Alzheimer's care? Um, you know, what can the community do? Well, the community can get involved uh, when, you know, because a lot of times we will uh, have uh, activities and we will, you know, advertise in the community. So when we have those events, we want to make sure that uh, the uh, community has that information so that they can uh, come and be involved in our events. Uh, so we want to make sure that uh, what I do too is I have like a listserv of all the church leaders, that are health ministry leaders, and I send when I get information, I send that information to them. When we have it, we have programs on campus, I send that information to them, so they know where those resources are to get the information, whether it's for tobacco, because uh, coming up in May, there is the um, uh, No Menthol Sunday. And so that is a way for them to uh, be able to participate in, you know, making sure that even on the church grounds that there's no smoking of tobacco. Mm -hmm. So that's one way. So I've sent that information out to them. So anytime there is any type of campaign that's coming up, uh, I get that information. I send that information to them. They get the information out to their parishioners, and then they get that information out to the community. So that's how we have been able to. And this has been going on even during COVID. Mm -hmm. So I've, you know, tried to keep them up uh, to date with information about COVID, where they could get vaccines, where they could get, you know, like posters and information that they could send to their uh, church members. Mm -hmm. uh, the Virginia Department of Health was very, very good in getting uh, information that we could share with the churches uh, about reopening and things like that. Uh, not only print information, but information that they could share uh, with them doing uh, you know, virtual services. So, you know, a lot of times they'll have announcements put up during, before and after. So we would provide them with information that they could share about certain topics. Great. Mm -hmm. And then, but you mentioned the Department of Health. I mean, mm -hmm. that's one good source of information, oh, yes. right? Yes, definitely. Uh, they have uh, the Virginia, uh, Virginia Department of Health, local health department, as well as the Department of Health in Richmond. Mm -hmm. They have a wealth of information that uh, people can get, you know, that information and share that information with the community as well. Right, and when we say local, we mean if you live in Chesapeake, there's one. If you yes. live in Norfolk, there's one. That's correct, that's correct. So we, you know, we have the Norfolk Health Department here, and if we need things, we can call on them to get that information. And then we, you know, have communication with folks that we know personally in Richmond that we can get information from as well. Mm -hmm. Which is a great, actually, point. I think the health departments would love to have folks to contact them oh, yes. and to work with them. Yes. To, you know, say, say you're not part of a church network, that's no problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're in the community and you have a group and right. you'd like to get more information, you can reach out to the health department. And I think they'd be glad to share yeah, information yes. and work with your community to get that information. Yes, they would. And they look forward to doing that. Yes. Great. 
So is there, so you've talked about tobacco, you mm -hmm. talked about Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. just looking forward, do you see, I mean, we know we're still recovering from the pandemic, right. but right. is there anything else that might be sort of in the community that we might want folks to pay attention to? Well, we do on. know that uh, the Hampton Roads area uh, have some of the highest rates of cancer. We have a high rate of cancer, prostate cancer, for African-American males. Uh, we don't know why, but particularly in the Portsmouth area. We, we have not found the connection of why yet. Uh, and then the uh, Hampton Roads area is still a high area for breast cancer rates. So uh, both those areas are areas that we uh, have focused on and still are focusing on because we want to get that information out there um, to the community. Uh, that's, you know, in, in as far as our students are concerned too, we get that information out to them because they uh, take health class and we focus in on those and we let them know that our area is an area that have, has high rates in both breast cancer and prostate cancer. So those are two areas that we're gonna be focusing in on. Uh, we do have a prostate cancer screening uh, project that's gonna be coming up in June, the end of June, uh, and it's gonna be held at Shiloh Baptist Church. And so we're gonna be working with Shiloh uh, working with a, a community group, and we're going to be doing a prostate cancer uh, screening program on, it's June 25th, which is a Saturday, and so that's one of the areas we're going to be working on uh, real soon. Great, and so, and so part of the message is there are preventive things that folks yes. can do. It doesn't necessarily stop you from getting, but early detection early is one detection. of the ways we yes. influence, and we know for some communities, part of the issue is that they're not, it's not detected soon, soon enough That's right, correct. to, That's to correct. do something. So we want to really encourage folks to talk to your physician, mm -hmm. talk to your community health worker, whoever you talk right. to who is trained to do that, right. and find out how you can get strengths for both, for breast cancer and for That's prostate correct. cancer. That's correct. And so, you know, the information that we'll have at that prostate screening, uh, we'll have uh, information from uh, the hospital, Sentara, is, is helping to co-sponsor. So Sentara will have information there. They will have screenings there. Um, and then, uh, you know, they will have uh, people there who have had uh, prostate cancer and actually recovered. So all of that information will be given at that program. But like you said, we, we're giving information so that they can uh, prevent those issues. And so breast cancer is one of those things that we also will be working uh, to um, help prevent uh, in the area as well. Great. And, and also to be clear, just because it's folk or it's located at a church doesn't mean it's not open to anyone. Well, right? it will be. Yes, it is. It, right, it is. Right, yes, right, it's right. it's open to the community. Yes, I just want to make sure uh, yes, everybody's clear. Yes, you don't yes. have to belong to the church. No, you don't have to, to belong to the church. No, <laughs> it's going to be open to everyone. And so, you know, we'll get that information out about how to register uh, and all those kinds of things so that people will uh, know when, you know, when the time comes where they can, you know, go to, to get that screening and that information. Great. Any 
closing remarks or anything that you like else you'd like to share? Well, I'm you know I just want to say that I'm I'm really excited about uh, working with the Center of Health Disparities, uh, working with the One School of Public Health. Uh, because I think, uh, you know, when we begin to grow our own, train our own students to become public health people, then that's when we can start seeing uh, inroads into some of the statistics that we see with some of these chronic diseases. And so that's why I'm, I'm really excited about uh, working together. Uh, so that we can um, see some difference, some different outcomes in our community. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Thank Burwell. This thank was amazing. Thank you for having me. And yes. thank you as well to everyone who is tuning in. Be sure to join us for future episodes of Health, Healing, and Hampton Roads.